Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. It was a really a, an awesome time together in worship and everything already. And uh, like I, I know at Grace Life, we, we get good word from our, our, our leaders. Uh, we, 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 um, uh, we, we have a, I was talking to someone this past week and they were saying, you know, it's amazing how many people have this um, uh, mission mentality in Grace Life in the sense of wanting to live on mission for Jesus, wanting to reach people, wanting to, to have a, a close relationship with Jesus, etc., etc. And I know it's not any different amongst you guys, that, that you desire to know God more and you desire to help no, make, known God, uh, make God known more in, in a sense of reaching people. And, um, you know, I, I realized as I was meditating on that, that so often it's easy to, <coughs> excuse me, to forget um, the essential, the, the, the very bottom basic of everything in, in, in Christianity. Okay? Uh, uh, for example, uh, um, we, we, we should all be well versed in this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have everlasting, everlasting life. And then a few chapters later, Jesus says, uh, this is life eternal, everlasting life. That they may know you, the one true God. And Jesus Christ whom you sent. So it's relationship with God. And you know, most Christians I meet say that it, Christianity is relationship with God. Amen? Most Christians say it's all about relationship, it's not religion. You know, there's a few places in the world where I've, I've encountered Christians where they don't have that mentality, but it's very few. You know, it's usually like Roman Catholics and, and those kind of people who don't see an intimate relationship they, they see it as more of a religion where I've got to please God and I've got to appease God, make sure that He's not angry with me and do all of these things. But, but most Christians would, would even, though they are practicing that, they're living a life of trying to please God. They're living a life of trying to make sure God's not angry with them. There's a lot of Christians, maybe even you live like that, but you would still say it's about relationship. Now, think about a relationship with a friend or a spouse uh, somebody that you're close with, if you always had to make sure that they were happy with you, then that wouldn't really be a great relationship, would it? If you were always trying to please them and make sure that they're not angry with you, that it would really be a, a burdensome relationship. Yeah. I hope I haven't described anyone's marriage <laughs> or anyone's friendship with someone. You know, because if you're under that pressure continuously of having to perform, that, that pressure of, I hope that they're, they're happy with me, then you get into this like um, uh, uh, this cycle of constantly this pressure of performance. And if I'm not performing well, then so-and-so is not going to like me. So-and-so is not going to uh, be happy with me. And then the relationship isn't healthy. But... You know what, with people like that, usually if you don't, um, if you're not pleasing, if you're trying to please them, you'll actually never end up pleasing them. Yeah. And so now bring it into our relationship with, with the Lord, and we see that, that if we are trying to please Him, we've got the wrong view of Him, because He's pleased with us. Yeah, Romans 
not Romans, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please God. The believer is full of faith. You have faith. Okay, I believe it's talking about saving faith. That you now receive Christ and now you are the just one. You have faith and you live by faith. And so God is pleased with you. You don't have to try and please God because He's pleased with you. Okay, so let's all say together, I am pleased with God. Uh, God is pleased with me. One, two, three. God is pleased with me. So God is pleased with you, with me. Okay, uh, we'll get to, to Samuel here in a moment. But if, if you look at um, uh, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. After he gets done, he comes up out of the water. And what does the voice from heaven say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is 30 years old at this time. He, there's no record of a miracle. There's no record of a, a mass crusade. There's no record of preaching to people or doing anything massive. Okay, His ministry only started after that. And yet the father says, this is my beloved son, identity, in whom I am well pleased, security. So your security in your relationship with God is based on your identity, not on what you do. You could sacrifice much. You could be giving much. You could uh, uh, be trying to live right as hard as you can. But that doesn't please God. It doesn't make you get closer to God. It's a good thing to live right. It's a good thing to, to give finances and to, to give time to people and to the church. And, you know, and it's a good thing to do good things. But... God doesn't love us more. Doesn't get us closer to God. What is that then? It's just called being a Christian. <laughs> when we're living holy, when we're doing the right thing, when we're, when we're giving and all this, it's, it's just called being a Christian. But it doesn't mean now you're more of a Christian. It doesn't mean you're closer to God. It, does, it just means that, that you're walking in who you are. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, live out their Christian life trying to please God. Okay, so, so then they, they, what they'll do is they'll go into ministry or they'll do some good works and things like this, trying to please God. And you know what? You can never fill that tank because you don't know if God's pleased with you or not. So you're always trying to, to get more done so that you can get closer to God or you're trying to, to push through so that you can uh, 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 get accepted by God. I used to be like that. I remember... Uh, 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 I used to, after uh, church on a Sunday growing up, I would always be washing the dishes for the teacups and things. And I would be wanting to serve and keep busy and I'd help with sound and I'd help with this and I'd help with that. And anything that needed to get done at our church, I would do it. I, would, I was uh, studying matric from home at that time and I would happily skip a day of studying if they needed help at the church. Not because I didn't like my studies, but I had this indebtedness towards God. I felt like I could never repay him. Yeah. And that's the point. You can never repay him, but he doesn't expect you to. He doesn't expect you to even try and repay him. Okay? Jesus, God, God expresses to, towards Jesus, who is God in the flesh, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, and then there's a fruitful ministry. If you want a fruitful life, if you want a fruitful ministry, you have to start with the place of God accepts me, God loves me, God is pleased with me. And because of that, I now have an overflow towards good works, towards a ministry or whatever. 
Okay? So, and, and, and there's one key element at the bottom of all of that is relationship with God, because that's what Christianity is about. Ministry, good works, our lives are an overflow of our friendship with the Father, our friendship with God. And if we don't have that healthy relationship, then nothing we really do is going to be good or, 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 or as healthy as it could be. Okay, think about a, a married couple for an example. If they just married on paper, staying in the same house, but two separate lives, hardly talk, what, what, are, are they one? Yes, they're one. Because they're married. <laughs> okay, they, they, they're one. But are they, are they operating as one? No. Are they enjoying everything that they could in their marriage? No. Why? Because maybe they, they need to communicate a bit more. They need to talk a bit more. You know, sometimes, in a, in, in, even in a marriage, two people can maybe not even know each other that well. Why? Because they haven't taken time to get to know each other. Maybe the, the relationship was just physical, or maybe the relationship had nothing to do with anything. It was just, you know, we had a child and now we need to be together. But there's no intimacy, there's no depth of, depth of relationship, and, and so that's a poor relationship. I don't know why I'm hammering on marriage, but I'll just say this. Marriage isn't, till, a successful marriage is not till death do us part. But we want to kill each other. <laughs> a successful marriage is, you know, that, that you're, 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 you've been married for however long you're alive, and then it's like, but we love each other. We're, we're a team. We're together. Okay, it's not till death do us part. We, we just, we've been together for 60 years. We can't stand each other, but at least we never got divorced. <laughs> at least we never killed each other. You know, that's not healthy. Now, translating into our relationship with God, so many Christians don't know Him. They've got their fire insurance. They're going to heaven. They've, their eternity is secure. And now they don't know Him. How do we know that they don't know Him? Because they're trying to please Him. That's one indicator. They're trying to do the right things for the wrong reasons. So, First Samuel chapter 3. I'm reading from the New King James. <clears throat> now the boy, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Okay. The boy Samuel. Now the story is that Hannah, I think it was Hannah, uh, couldn't have a child. God blessed her with a child. And now she was like, I'm giving him back to the Lord. So once he was weaned, uh, she drops him off at the, the, the temple. And now the, the priest is, is raising Samuel in the house of God, in the church, in the temple, to serve God. Okay? And, and in this, uh, um, the, obviously he's growing up in, in religion. He's growing up in uh, being, becoming very familiar with everything. So keep that in mind as we read this. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Verse 2. And it came to pass at that time while Eli, who's the priest, was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out uh, in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark was. And while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel and and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. So now he hears a voice saying, Samuel. And he runs to Eli, the priest. 
Who's talking to him? Who's calling him? God. Who does he run to? Eli. Okay. That's important. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, verse 5, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. (coughs) And so he went and lay down. And then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call you, my son. Go lie down again. Verse 7. This is key. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He's grown up in the house of God. He's, he's been taught how to do all the rituals. He's been taught how to do everything right, but he doesn't know God. Okay? Verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose. Now I've lost my place. Hold on. <laughs> so he arose. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Did not call me. Verse 7, verse 8. Okay, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived. He woke up. Okay, Eli at last. (laughs) He woke up and he says, Ah, the Lord has called the boy. (laughs) Okay, verse 9. Then Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And it shall be, if he calls you again, that you must say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down again in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and uh, called him at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, your servant hears. And then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. So now... He starts to get to know God. Okay? But it's interesting. He grew up in the house of God. He probably knew how to, to serve all the, the rituals and the, the, all the feasts and do all the, He probably knew everything backwards. Yeah, that's how familiar he was with the house of God and with the ways of God, with ministry. But he didn't know the God of the house, the God of the ministry. Okay? When God tried to speak to him, he turned to man, he ran to man. You know, we, we, we fall into this trap often as well where we don't, uh, uh, we, we can be so busy with the house of God that we neglect God of the house. We're so busy with ministry of God that we're not busy with the God of the ministry. The one is religion, the one is relationship. Okay, Matthew 27, let's go there. Matthew 27, verse 50 and 253. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He's on the cross now. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked, the rocks were split, the graves were opened, etc. Point being, the temple curtain divided the people from the Holy of Holies. And it was torn from top to bottom. Now, that, when we think of a curtain, we think of something that's covering that window at the back there, or this window over here. Yeah, we think of something small. This temple curtain, it said, uh, 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 if, you, if you go and study it out, was about 20 meters high. Okay? 
Nobody in this room is 20 meters tall, and the ceiling is definitely not 20 meters tall. Okay? Uh, for those of you who can remember when we were at the school in Stellenbosch, that, that, the, the, the big hall, even though the little hall, both of those are probably around about uh, uh, um, almost 20 meters high, I would say. In the, in, in the gymnasium, it's about 20 meters high, to give you a picture of it. Then, uh, uh, um, um, biblical scholars tell us that it could have been about six inches thick. So, let's see, maybe about that big or so. So, imagine a curtain that thick and 20 meters tall. Who's going to be strong enough and tall enough to get to the top and tear it? Only God can do that. Okay? An earthquake happens, never mind the fact that the graves split open and, uh, uh, and there's a whole bunch of Old Testament saints who now are, are walking around, they've come back from the dead. <laughs> but, but now what happens is, is the temple curtain, which separates God's presence and the people, is now torn. And I believe that is telling us two different things. Well, a couple of things. It's first of all telling us that Jesus came to destroy religion. Because he wanted relationship. God was saying, you can't confine me to a building anymore. You can't confine me to this special place where only the priest can come in once a year. I believe that it was, it, was, it was meaning two things in this regard. Number one, now you can come into the Holy of Holies where God's presence lives and you can have the Holy of Holies now come out of that space and into you. Amen. Okay, so I believe it means both of those things. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. So now we're talking about relationship with God and we're looking at how the, the religious system of the Jewish people had a separation mentality. They were separate from, uh, separated from the presence of God. And you know, we'll see now in Hebrews chapter 10 that the, the priest could go into the Holy of Holies once a year. You and I wouldn't have been able to. Maybe I would if I was a priest, but I'm not Jewish. <laughs> yeah? But the point is, is that there was a separation mentality. In our Christian culture today, there is still a separation mentality. In our Christian culture, there's still a separation mentality. A lot of Christians approach singing, worship, the worship time in a church service, as in now we need to sing until the presence of God comes. And then you've got some people who will comment on a service and say, there wasn't any Holy Spirit there. <laughs> How's that possible? That there's no Holy Spirit in a service. Even if you don't feel like there's Holy Spirit here, He's here. Amen. He said He would never leave us nor forsake us. So a separation mentality is an old covenant mindset where you can't have an intimate relationship with God because now you're seeing God as far and I need to do things to get to Him. Or I need to impress Him enough, sing hard enough, shout hard enough, dance hard enough to be able to get His presence to come to me. Okay? For God so loved the world that the presence of God came to the world. Amen. Okay? Jesus came to end separation. Evident by the temple curtain being torn in two. So Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 to 4. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of these things, can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. 
for then they would have not been would they have not been ceased to offer been offered so what this is saying is that this sacrificial system was a shadow of what was to come it wasn't the real thing it was something it was representing something and in verse 10 it says what that something was it was Jesus the sacrificial lamb to end all sacrifices okay then it's saying that the reason why these sacrifices were offered every year is because they, they weren't doing the job. They weren't doing the job. Okay? And if the sacrifice could do the jo job and make the worshiper, the person offering the sacrifice, if it could do the job and make you perfect, then you would have stopped making offerings. Now why in Christianity don't we make sacrifices and offer sacrifices? Because Jesus' sacrifice did the job and made us perfect. That's the implication here. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, you are now perfect. Why, could, why couldn't people go into the Holy of Holies to, to fellowship with God? Because they were imperfect. Something was pro causing a separation. Okay? Sin. And Jesus was the sin sacrifice to end separation. Now we've got this opportunity for intimacy with God. For a deeper relationship with Him. Okay? For the worshippers once made holy would have had no more consciousness of sins. So this is saying that there was a... With, with the... Um, <clears throat> with the Jews always bringing their sacrifice, they were always reminded then of how imperfect they were. They were always reminded then of their sin. Okay? That's Old Testament. But, because we have a sacrifice to end all sacrifice, God's just agreeing with my message. Amen? <laughs> because there's now a sacrifice to end all sacrifices, now we are perfect Okay, now the worshippers have been made holy, and now as Christians, we should not have a sin consciousness. Amen. We should not be aware of sin. Okay, now if you're struggling with sin, stop it. <laughs> it's not good for you. But don't be so focused on it that it consumes you. We should be more savior focused than sin focused. Okay, Christianity should not be focused on sin. It should be focused on Jesus. And yet, a lot of Christian books, a lot of Christian uh, 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 preaching, a lot of Christian, um, whatchamacallit, uh, 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 courses and seminars are all focused in on sin. We should not be focused in on sin. We should be focused in on the Savior. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder for sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. So it's saying that that whole sacrificial system, which enforced, uh, that whole sacrificial system was flawed and couldn't do the job. That's the first thing it's saying. The second thing it's saying is that the whole sacrificial si uh, 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 system could not make you right with God. Then you go down to verse 10. By that will we have been sanctified, made holy, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So now, through Jesus' offering, through Him being a sacrifice for us, He has made us holy. 
Now we don't need to sacrifice to God. You know, and, and you might be thinking, oh, but we don't sacrifice chickens and go- goats and bulls and whatever. Yeah, in, in Zululand they do. So this meant a lot more to them than it does to us. And that we had to say, even as a, as a, because even the Christians do it. Someone dies, they offer a goat. So that, you know, or something, so that when the person gets to heaven, they can take their offering and hopefully be accepted. That's not Christianity, but they've mixed it into Christianity. Now, we might look at someone like that and go, well, they are focused in on sacrifice and they shouldn't be killing things for this and whatever because Jesus was a sacrifice. But you and I do it as well. We just don't kill things for it. We, We punish ourselves. And we call it, we don't realize that it's actually sacrifice. I used to do this whenever I made mistakes and sin, I felt like I should fast. And I was fasting to punish myself until I felt better. And then I thought, okay, now I'm accepted by God. Now I've paid enough. In Catholicism, in Catholic Church, you know, they'll, they'll uh, uh, pay penance. The extreme version of it will, you know, they'll crawl hands and knees on on broken glass to be able to pay for their sins. Or some people, even in Brazil, you see, you can go and see pictures of it on on the internet, where they'll they'll try and be crucified like Jesus (coughs) to be able to pay for their sin. But that's, that's a mockery of what Jesus did. That's a mockery of the cross because Jesus paid for sin. And now if we are trying to pay for sin, we are operating in anti-Christ. Because it's anti what the Messiah has done for us. And the purpose of the sacrifice was to bring us close to God. So look at this, verse 14. For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You and I are those being sanctified, and we are now been made perfect forever. Okay? So tomorrow, when you make a mistake, and you sin, or you do whatever, you're still perfect. You just made a mistake, but that mistake has been paid for. Amen. Stop that mistake, turn around, change your thinking, repent, and go in the opposite direction, but realize that that mistake has been paid for, and you are still perfect. When we make mistakes and we sin as Christians, often we, we look down on ourselves and we say, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace, God please forgive me. That's not Christianity. Christianity is, I was a sinner. I got saved by grace. Now I am perfect forever. Now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now I am accepted by God even when I make a mistake. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the more you focus in on who you are in Christ, and the more you focus in on how perfect you are in Christ, not in your actions, but in His action on the cross, the more you're going to start to live holy. The more you're going to start to live right. The more you're going to start to love people better. Okay? Verse 17. Then he adds. So now we're going through Hebrews 10, and I'm showing you just this beautiful picture of of, of what Jesus has done for us. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. So everything Jesus has done for us, was part, part of it was to forget your sin. <clears throat> he wanted to forget. He wanted. 
He has forgotten your, uh, your sin, okay? Amen. <laughs> he wanted to forget. He has forgotten your sin. Now, if you want to be like God, you have to forget your sin. And if you don't forget your sin, your wrongdoing, why is it that you think you're better than God? When we remember our sin and we're praying about it, God, please forgive me for this and God, please forgive me for that. We are saying, I am better than God. God has forgiven my sin. God has forgotten my sin. He remembers it no more because Jesus paid for it. Why am I remembering my sin? And why am I reminding God about something he's chosen to forget? Amen? Amen. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, because of all of this, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, uh, through the veil that is his flesh. Now this is showing us it, 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 it's, it's temple language. It's Jewish language. It's Old Testament language. Okay? And he's saying that now because of the sacrifice to end all sacrifices we have boldness to come into the holiest. We have boldness to have intimacy with God not by what we've done for him not but, but by what He's done for us. Okay? Because of His blood, not our blood. This is the new and living way. It's not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood of Jesus that we can now enter into the holiest. But also, the holiest can enter into us. That's what I want you to see. The, holier, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy of Holies, it's now in you. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. One of our grace life favorites. says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. Other verses. Don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? That God lives in you? So now you are the Holy of Holies. You cannot enter into the Holy of Holies. In uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, the writer is speaking to the Hebrew mindset. The, the writer is talking Hebrew language and he's saying, hey, now because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter in to the Holy of Holies. He's not saying that we can visit the Holy of Holies. We don't visit the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God doesn't visit us. A visitation mentality is an old covenant mentality. The Christian doesn't have a visit with Jesus. The Christian is one with Jesus, one with the Holy Spirit, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And if we want to live like Jesus, if we want to uh, have victorious lives, then what we have to do is start to adopt a Christian mindset of, I'm one with God, He never leaves me, He never forsakes me, because that is the, the, the essence of a healthy relationship with God. Your relationship with God will only ever be healthy and strong when you realize how close you are to Him. And that's because of what He's done for you. So the question is with this is, when last did you connect with God? Now, I know that you and I as Christians are connected to God. We're one with Him. Okay? Marna and I, my wife and I, are one with each other. 
Okay, I'm, we're one with each other, but now if we had an unhealthy marriage and we didn't connect, we're still one, we're just not connecting. So, you are one with Jesus, but when last did you connect with Him? When last did you have, have, have a heart to heart? When last did you hear from Him? When last did you let Him love on you? When last did you have intimacy with Him? Because, you know, let, me, let me say this, I'm not talking about singing. You, you, you can sing without worshipping God. You can sing beautifully without worshipping God, because it's about the heart. Okay? Too many Christians worship worship. They're not worshipping God in the worship music. You know? Anybody who's choosing a church based on the worship is worshipping worship. They're not worshipping Jesus. Don't quote me on that. Quote yourself. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah, I'm not talking about your devotional time either. Because you can have a faithful devotional time for decades. Every year you can wake up at 4 o'clock even in the morning and, and read the Bible and pray and not connect with God. You're still one with Him. You're still connected. But when are you connecting to Him? Okay? Not, and I'm not obviously talking about re reading the Bible because you know, reading the Bible doesn't mean that you're connecting with God. It's an, reading the Bible, singing, praying, all of these things are good things that help us maybe to connect to God. But it's a heart issue. We're in our hearts, we need to connect to Him. Okay, it's not something that just happens because you walked into a worship service. You know? And when you're connecting to Him, you don't have to feel something. Although you will feel something in your heart. If our faith doesn't move our emotions, I believe that we have to question our faith. We, we aren't led by emotions, but our faith is, our, and our faith is based on the Word. Amen? Yeah. But now, if our faith and the Word isn't affecting our emotions, I believe that we, we, we should question our faith. We should dig deeper. Because obviously what we believe should impact our hearts, what we feel. Hebrews uh, chapter 13 verse 9 says that it's a good thing that the heart be established with grace. It doesn't say that the head be established with grace, or the brain, or your, your language be established in grace. It's talking about the heart. Because that's where you make your decisions. Because that's where you feel we should be feeling our faith. We don't faith our feeling. We don't get it the wrong way around. We mustn't be, be, be stepping out on feeling. Because I feel this is right, I'm going to do it. No, I believe this is right, I'm going to do it. And you might not feel like it, but it should lead to something. Okay, but when last did you connect with God? You know, many people struggle to connect with God because they believe that He's far from them. But in view of everything that I've said now, you know that God is one with you, that He's not distant. Even if you've made the biggest mistake of your life, He's still with you, He's still one with you, you can still have an intimate relationship with Him. Some people struggle to connect with God because they're so focused on their problem, they're so focused on His sin, and they're not focused in on His goodness. So when you come and you're spending time with the, with the Lord, you're not going, Oh Father, I've just done so, I've messed up this week. You're going, Father, thank you for your goodness. 
Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you uh, um, accept me. You know, we don't come to, to, to God and go, Father, I've just got so many problems right now. And you're just praying about your problems and your problems and your problems. You might have problems, okay? Everybody has problems, like, at some point. And God doesn't mind if you want to talk to Him about your problems. But that's not going to develop intimacy. Thankfulness will. Focusing in on Him and His goodness will. Not focusing in on your problems. Okay? Some people believe that there are hindrances to them experiencing God and connecting with Him. And so then they feel like they have to jump through hoops and they have to do this and they have to do that if they're wanting to have an intimate relationship with God and if they're wanting to connect with God. But yeah, the, the hindrance to your relationship with God is you believing that there's a hindrance. The Holy Spirit lives in you to give you 24-7 connection to God. Amen. And so all you need to do is focus in on Christ in you. You've got problems, focus on Jesus. Because in Christ, you're seated above those problems. Amen? Amen. It, it all comes back down to relationship. So let me, let me just say one, one more thing here. You, you are part of the vine. Amen? Amen. <coughs> Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Amen. You're connected to Him. His life is flowing in you. So, so all we need to do is realize our position, recognize where we are in Christ, recognize that we're one with Him. And as we recognize what we've got, we empower it and we start to experience it more and more. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.